Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out the hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. All right, open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43, Isaiah 43. If you don't have a traditional Bible and you'd like one, you can go to the Welcome Center after service. We would love to give you one as our gift to you. We, well, in the meantime, what we really want is for you to download the YouVersion app, or it's also called the Bible app. If you haven't done that, there's a QR code right here that you can scan. Beyond this like time that we're together right now, download it just for your own personal, get into a Bible reading plan, get into some sort of a group. There's a community that's, here's what's amazing about the YouVersion app is that it was actually an accident. It was supposed to be like a, like a Christian social media kind of network, but instead it's turned into this worldwide phenomenon that has become the most downloaded app in the world. And so if you're watching us online, we love you guys. And uh, we're so grateful that you guys are part of our family. Super grateful that you guys are here. What a great spirit. Like I just, I was in the back and was turning the the heat down because I, I felt like I was burning up. And Pastor Barry walked up to me. He said, bro, you can get up there and preach Mary Had a Little Lamb. And these people are going in today. And so kudos to you guys. I'm not going to preach Mary Had a Little Lamb, incidentally. But I love the fact that we're doing this series, The Chosen, because I love, I love The Chosen. I think it's the best Christian media product that has ever has ever been released. It just makes the whole story come alive. It makes the whole thing become practical. It makes the whole thing become personal. Like, are there haters? Uh, People who have issues with it? Of course there are. If there were haters and people who had issues with the actual Jesus, why wouldn't there be haters and people who have issues with the representation of him? Like, uh, is the show perfect? No. Do they take creative liberties? Absolutely. But guess what? So do you. But it is, it's really really good. And I, I, like, I've fallen more in love with Jesus and wanted to get to know him more than I ever have before just by watching this show. And if you, if you haven't watched it, fair warning, I cry through every episode. I told Pastor Sonny, it's the Christian version of This Is Us. Like every single, like every episode. And there'll be episodes where I will try. I will go, I'm not crying during this episode. My family will be gathered around and I'll go, I'm not doing it. I'm not crying this episode. And then, and then they'll, the musical. In fact, Thursday, I went to Bay Park Cinema at one o'clock in the afternoon for the premiere of season four. And I cried through three more episodes. I, at one point, I was crying so bad that the lady next to me looked at me like I might need help. She looked at me like, Bo, are you, like, are you okay? I was crying. (laughs) And season one, episode one is no exception. Like I rewatched it this week. And, and I re-cried through it. In fact, I, I really wanted to get a quote from it, exactly the way that they quoted it. And so, so I pulled it up on my phone and I fast forwarded to that particular part 
And I started crying just at that particular part. So if you haven't, if you haven't watched it yet, let me just give you a, a, a spoiler alert. We're going to ruin the end of it for you before the end of this series. Some of you didn't get that joke. Anyway, <laughs> but let me give you a fair warning. Episode one uh, is the slowest of all the episodes. And yet it has drug and alcohol use, rape, racism, assault, prize fighting, homelessness, tax evasion, betrayal, gambling, single parenthood, prostitution, demonic possession, and an attempted suicide in 45 minutes. It, it, it makes you experience the Bible like you never have. It makes you experience the Bible like you're actually in it. And episode one starts, starts with Lilith, uh, a scared little girl we don't recognize, and her father comforting her with the words of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. She wakes up. It was a dream, a distant memory. She's bruised and beaten with blood on her hands, a man with blood on his face. He's running. He's, he's screaming for help. He's, he's screaming, she tried to kill me. She has demons inside. And she's hurting, haunted, hopeless. The grown-up version of that scared little girl, the comforting words of her father, long lost to the circumstances of her life. I am his? How? I'm damaged, desperate, lost alone, abandoned. But was she? Are you? I want to talk about that today in a message we're calling, I have called you by name. Let's pray. God, we love you. You know, thank you for this gift, God, that you so miraculously, by the Holy Spirit, gave to a creative who had gifts and abilities and skills and talents that I don't have, God. And you you caused him to use his gift to, to bless millions and millions of people. God, to, to take your words and to make them come alive. God, I pray you do that same thing this morning. I pray that, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, that they would be pleasing unto you, that when we leave this place, we would be moved. We would be transformed, changed, less like us and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, there, there's nothing sweeter than the sound of your own name. Uh, one of the things I've always loved about my father-in-law is his understanding of that concept. He, he's really intentional about learning people's names and using them. In fact, anytime we go to a restaurant, uh, he, he asks the server's name before anything else. And, 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 uh, and then throughout the meal, he intentionally uses their name to them. And, and as he does that, you can see their demeanor change. You, you can see their posture and their performance improved because there's nothing sweeter than the sound of your own name. Uh, I, I remember years ago, I, I was wrestling with a decision. I, I was at a service at a church in Los Angeles and, and I was at the altar and like I was really, really seeking God about a decision that I had to make. And the pastor was a guy named Tommy Barnett. He was he was one of my heroes. He, he, he motioned to me. He, he was standing on the stage and, and I was, I was standing in the, the altar, you know, the front and, and, uh, and, and he motioned to me and I, and I looked around like, 
I was like, who, who's he talking to? Who's this guy trying to get? Is, he, is this the signal? Is he trying to get somebody to, to get it? And, and then he looked at me and he called me by name. He said, Sean, Sean, come, come here. And, and, and then he spoke a word over my life that confirmed the decision that I was trying to make. I couldn't believe that he knew my name. Like I'd only met him once in passing, like, like five years before. Uh, but when he said my name, my countenance changed. My, my confidence shifted. I was, I was flying last week and, uh, and I, was, I was at the airport and, you know, airports are stressful places. Just, if you don't have to go, don't. And, uh, and, and, and I was kind of running late in between my connections. And so, so I, I mean, I wasn't, let's be honest, I wasn't running. I have a, I have a theory that there are other flights. <laughs> I, I told Pastor Sonny, you, you ain't never going to see me run in an airport. Never. And I mean, unless there's an active shooter, I'm not. And then even then I might go, he's probably going to aim for the people running. He's not going to, I'm going to lay down. That's, let's be like a bear attack. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to lay down and act like he already got me. And so, so I was running late, but I, I was walking, not even fast. And so, so I got to the gate and, and people were like, oh, it was like, it was like we were boarding the plane for the rapture. Like it was in, insane. And, uh, and the guy who was the uh, boarding agent, he was fantastic. And, and as he scanned every ticket, he would say the name of the person. Hey, Jim, thank you for flying Delta. Have a great flight. Hey, Sally, thank you for flying Delta have a great flight. Hey, Bob, thank you for flying Delta. Have a great flight. And it was just, you could just see people going from like that was their boy. That was, it was just, you could like, you could see. And when people got on the plane, I thought like we were on soul plane. Like it was like, we were about to have a party on that plane. People were happy. People were talking to each other. They were getting to know each other. Oh, well, where are you headed? Is Minneapolis home for you? No. Oh, well, you must be a, you must be a, pa see, there's nothing that is sweeter than the sound of your own name. It, it reminds me of this old show from the 80s, Cheers. Anytime a, a guy named Norm would walk into the bar, everyone would yell out his name, Norm! I actually love how more than one scene in this episode takes place in a bar. Like it kind of reminds me of Green Bay. Our bars are full. And in those bars, a lot of people are trying to figure out a lot of things hurt, disappointment, betrayal, loss, resentment. My pastor, Fulton Buntane, he actually met one of his closest friends in a bar. Jerry Coram's life, it was, it was falling apart until he met Pastor Buntane. And Jesus, he was spiraling. He was spinning out of control. His marriage was failing. His relationship with his kids was failing. His business was failing. He was on the brink, brink of bankruptcy. And, and so he was looking for a solution at the bottom of a bottle at the end of a bar. And so his wife called the church and asked Pastor Buntane for help. And, and, and Pastor asked where he could find him. And she, she gave him the name of a bar. And the middle of the afternoon on a Tuesday... Pastor Buntane walked in, sat down on the stool next to him and said, hi, Jerry, how you doing? <laughs> Jerry looked at him shocked. He's like, who are you? <laughs> My pastor just responded, I'm Fulton 
and God sent me here to get you. Jerry surrendered his life to Jesus in that bar on that day and turned his life around. He fixed his marriage. God fixed his relationship with his kids. God fixed his business. He's been married over 50 years, and he and his sons went into partnership and became the largest RV dealers on the West Coast. He's, he's donated tens of millions of dollars to Christian organizations, and he still has a net worth of over $100 million, and it all started with a, hi, Jerry, how you doing? Because there's nothing sweeter than the sound of your own name. You know, we've really complicated this entire idea of salvation. Uh, it, it doesn't have anything to do with works. It doesn't have anything to do with perfection. It doesn't have anything to do with penance. It doesn't even have anything to do with a conversation that you have with one other man. At its core, salvation is the idea of God calling you by name. And God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. <laughs> In fact, when he called me, I was anything but qualified. I was angry, bitter, depressed, less than a year out of prison. But one day he called me by name. It didn't make me perfect. I mean, I struggled for years, tried to avoid the fullness of my relationship with him for years because of my wounds and my insecurity. I looked for an excuse to walk away from him for years. I mean, about five years into my pastoral ministry, I thought I finally found the excuse I'd been looking for. Many of you guys may know this. Uh, in 2002, Sonny and I went through a nightmare. We lost our, we lost our daughter. In fact, it would have been her birthday uh, this coming Wednesday, and I've been thinking about that encounter over the last, in the last number of weeks. And uh, in the hours after she was born, I had a genuine encounter with God where he called me by name. Uh, after months of praying and fasting, believing God for a miracle, the doctors told us that she wasn't going to make it. Uh, she wasn't going to actually live uh, through the day. And so they came to get me and, and to take me to the, to the neonatal intensive care unit so that I could say my final goodbyes. And, and in that moment, I decided I was done. And I'm not talking about just with the ministry. I was done with God. In fact, I, I turned to my wife, Sonny, and I said, man, F God. But I didn't, you know, I said the, I said the whole thing. You get the point. I said, man, I said F God, he's not real. I said, I've given my life to him. If he can't do this miracle for me, he doesn't even exist. I'm done. And I was, I was furious. I was seething. And as the doctor and I rode the elevator, he turned to me and he said, I need, I need to prepare you for what you're about to see. It's not pretty. She's covered with tubes and connected to monitors in the ventilator that's keeping her alive. She has no hope. And uh, when I walked into that ICU, though, something happened. I didn't see what he said. I, I didn't see tubes. I didn't see wires. I didn't see monitors. I didn't see a child who had no hope. I saw my child. I saw my perfect child. And God said, that's how I see you. Come on. Come on. I looked around trying to see who, who was talking to me. But there wasn't anybody there. And God repeated himself. But this time he said, he said, Sean, I don't know if God's ever said your name for him. Normally I would think that's cool. But remember, I just dropped the F-bomb on him. 
It's that he wasn't real. Like you ever, you ever be talking about somebody? You got you guys probably don't do this because you're from first service. You're actually saved. So you like you. You ever be talking about somebody? <laughs> and they walk up. And you, hey, <laughs> we were just we were just talking about about you right before you right before you. Well, how long have you been standing there? Do you like you ever feel like somebody caught you? talking trash about them behind their back. That's how it felt. It felt like I was like talking smack about God to my wife. And then he, and then he called me on it. He, he said, Sean, that's how I see you. When the whole world sees your problems, when the whole world sees your pain, when the whole world sees everything that's attached to you and says you have no hope, you're my child, bro. You're my, you're my perfect child. The guys, I was I was wrecked. My, wife was, my life was, was turned upside down. It was, it was flipped on its head. And, and in that moment, God went on to tell me four things that I want to tell you today. Here's, here's the first. He loves you. Yeah. He loves you. <laughs> Some of you need to change your perspective on God. God's not a bully. He's not an abusive father waiting to slap you across the room every time you make a mistake. He loves you with an immeasurable, unending love. The most well-known, yet unknown scripture in the book says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever chooses to believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Like, I'll never forget the first time I heard that verse. As an angry, bitter, depressed 20-year-old kid less than a year out of prison, I just sobbed. God loves me? Yeah. And he loves you. In spite of all your problems, your pain, and everything that's attached to you, when the whole world says you have no hope, he loves you. Here's the second thing I want to tell you, is that he believes in you. I don't know if you know how this feels, but I, I know what it feels like to feel like nobody believes in you. Uh, when you're sitting in a cell, realizing that you just threw your life away, the crowd thins. Uh, you, you don't feel like anybody's there. You don't feel like, like a worthy investment. But Jesus doesn't see you for who you are. He sees you for who you could be. We see that in a conversation between Jesus and one of his disciples, a guy named Simon, an, an impetuous, hot-headed, hard-headed guy who couldn't seem to get out of his own way. But Jesus said, I'm not going to call you Simon anymore. You are Peter, my rock, and I can guarantee you on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell, they will not overpower it. He said, from this point forward, I'm going to call you my rock. Even though you're going to continue to live a life filled with anger issues. E even though you're still going to go on and die me three times. Even though you're going to cuss a little girl out when she just says that you knew me. E even though that after my resurrection, you're going to walk away from your calling and you're going to return to your old life. You are my rock. Because he didn't see Peter for who he was. He saw him for who he could be. He saw him through eyes of potential. And he sees you the same way in spite of your problems, in spite of your pain and everything that, that comes attached to you, when the, when the whole world says you have no hope, 
He believes in, in you. Here's the third thing I want to tell you is that he, he prays for you. Hmm. Isn't it powerful when somebody prays for you? That's, that's why we set aside time in every service so that you can go to somebody and have them pray with you and for you. Because sometimes all you need to get you over the hump is to know that somebody's praying for you. I had a professor in seminary who, uh, I came to him one day and I asked him for prayer. And uh, normally I'm used to people, they kind of do the prayer blow off. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, cool, man. They say they're going to pray for you, but mm, 50-50 shot that they're thinking about cheese curds and not thinking about it's 11.48. They're trying to get out the building. There's going to be a line at Culver's. Hey, man, could you pray? Oh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll pray for you. So I asked this guy if, if he would pray for me. And it, it grabbed my hands, which is, you know. I don't know each other like that. I didn't ask if we could make out. Like I asked, <laughs> you could pray for me, bro. I didn't even know you could work at a seminary and kiss. Like this is weird. Don't touch me. I'm not, I'm not touchy. It's FYI. Not like a touchy. So if I, if I hug you, that's the, that's the Holy Spirit. So he <laughs> grabs my hand. He said, he said, well, man, why don't we pray right now? I said, this is people. There'll be all kinds of people. People here might, if all these people see you praying for me, they might think I need you. To Imagine what God could do in your life if you got over you. I mean, I'm just saying that's a side, that's a side note. And so, so then I thought, you know, he's going to pray, you know, Jesus, you know, we just thank you. Thank you for my brother, Sean, and just struggling. And, uh-uh, man. He prayed like Pastor Doubts. He said, Jesus. I said, he said, Jesus, like Jesus just walked in and, sh- and he was like, bro, like he said, Jesus right now in the power. I was embarrassed and motivated at the same time. When he said, amen, I looked, looked at him and I, said, I was honest with him. Uh, Cause there ain't no future in the front. And I said, listen, I really thought you was just going to walk away and, you know, pray for me when you and God were hanging out, but I didn't think you were going to like do it like right here, right now. He said, when somebody asks you to pray for them, don't you put it off. Pray for them right now. Cause you might forget. And there have been lots of times in my life that it has felt like I was traveling this journey alone and nobody was praying for me. But in the gospel of John, Jesus says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's you. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are, as you're in me and I'm in you and that, and that they may, they also be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as you and I are one. I in them and you're in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world may know that you sent me, watch this, and that you love them as much 
as you love me. You are not traveling this journey alone. Even now, in spite of all your problems and pain and everything that's attached to you, when the whole world says you have no hope, Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father and he is praying for you. Here's the fourth thing I want to tell you is that he, he understands. Uh, when you're struggling, it, it can feel like nobody else can relate. Like nobody else understands what you're going through. Like no one has ever felt this pain. No one else has ever felt this loss. No one else has ever fought this fight, carried this weight, made these mistakes. But the Bible says we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have one who was tempted in every way, and yet he did not sin. Whatever you're going through, doubt or depression, pain or panic, failure or fear, he understands. Like, like right before he was crucified, the Bible says that he threw himself down. He threw himself down on the ground. And he said, Father, if it's possible, please take this cup of suffering from me. Nevertheless, not what I want. What you want. Like, like have you ever read and actually humanized any of this story? Like, do, do, do you really think he wanted to suffer? You, you think he woke up on that day and was like, oh, yeah, I get to die today. You, you think he didn't think that some of them deserved it? You think that he didn't look at some of those fools and think they had it coming? You think that people didn't treat him with such malice? And with such disregard and such disrespect that there were not fleet. He was tempted in every way. Do you think that there were times that he did not look at people and say, God, if there's anybody you could smite, smite him. Have you heard what he said? Have you seen what he's done? And Jesus threw himself on the ground. So please, Dad, take this cup of suffering from me. Nevertheless, listen. I might not understand what you're going through, but in spite of all your problems, in spite of all your pain, in spite of everything that's attached to you, when the whole world says you have no hope, he's been there. He understands and he is calling to you. He's calling for you. Uh, you know, the most powerful scene in the episode comes at the very end. When the grown-up version of Lilith the scared little girl we didn't recognize in the first scene encounters Jesus. Walking out of a bar. And even though she's hurting, haunted, hopeless, the comforting words of her father, long lost to the circumstances of her life, he calls her by name. He doesn't call her Lilith. He calls her the name the father called her. He says, Mary, Mary of Magdala. Thus says the Lord who created you, who formed you, fear not, for I am with you. And all she could do was fall into the arms of Jesus. What about you? Will you do that today? 
I hope so, because in spite of all your problems, pain, and everything that's attached to you, when the whole world says you have no hope, you're his child. His perfect child. And he has called you by name because you are his. Would you pray with me? You know, salvation at its core is him calling your name. And today, for some of you, you felt that from the moment you got to the parking lot, you felt something stirring, you felt something moving, you walked in and in the lobby, you felt something stirring, you felt something moving, the band started to play and the team started to sing, you felt something stirring, you felt something moving and then the bumper came on for the message and you felt something stirring, you felt something moving, you, you, felt, you felt this draw. It was Jesus calling you by name. At its core, salvation is listening to that call and falling into the arms of Jesus. And so I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're carrying. I don't know what is haunting you, hurting you, or holding you back. But what I do know is the one who can deliver you from all of those things is asking you to fall into his arms. And so today we want to give you the opportunity to do that. It really scripturally requires that you do two things, that you confess and you profess. You confess that you have sin in your life, unresolved issues in your life. And then you profess that Jesus can change those things. And so we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. And here's how. In just a moment, I'm going to ask for people to do two things. The first is with nobody looking around, I'm going to ask for people who don't have a relationship with Jesus but want to fall into his arms today and become his child. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. Once you make eye contact with me, you could put your hands down. That's your act of confession. Secondly, I'm going to say a few lines in a prayer and then I'm going to pause. And when I pause, I'm going to ask that everyone in here uh, repeats those words after me. And if you repeat those words and you mean them in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. So if you're here and you say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want one before I leave this place with nobody looking around. Would you raise your hand? Make God contact me. Thanks. 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 Okay, I'm going to ask everybody in here to say these words. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Come into my life. Call me by name. I fall in your arms. I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. Secondarily, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here and, and you're a believer. Uh, but you're like me uh, early on. You're looking for an excuse to walk away. Uh, the devil's trying to throw stuff at you that's going to make you uh, doubt or deny. If you're in here and you say, Sean, I, I've got some stuff in my life. I've, I've been looking for an excuse to walk away, but you want to go all in with nobody looking around. Just pop your hand up so I can pray for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, for my friends in this place, I pray that you would meet them at the point of their need, wherever they are, you would call them by name. They would experience you not in an academic sort of way, but in a real sort of spiritual 
emotional, guttural kind of way. Bless them indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Follow our other podcasts so you can be updated when new episodes are released. We have a wide variety of podcasts to choose from. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.